Good evening, Bards Nation. I hope you all had an absolutely beautiful week. We, uh, I'll tell you, we, I've, I've absolutely enjoyed doing these shows. Um, this may be the last one that I'm going to be doing for a little bit. I know that uh, Scott is feeling a whole lot better. His uh, voice is finally coming back. He's getting a little bit of rest and relaxation, which he's going to be doing to the weekend, um, which I, I'm just so thankful for. And I believe he's going to be taking back over the mic on Sunday for Fishers of Men. And uh, I know he's got another week on the road. Um, and I hope that I get the opportunity to do a couple more shows um, in the meantime, but I will be back at some point because he'll be back on the road again. But I just wanted to tell you what an honor it's been to be here with you guys to do this show every single night. And I want to thank you again for how welcoming you have all been um, to me during these times. It's, it's a privilege and an honor to be here with every one of you. So over the uh, last week, we have kind of talked about, you know, the different ways that God talks to you. And uh, one of the things that, that God really speaks to me is through dreams, which is kind of what I want to focus on tonight. And just talk about some of the dreams that I've had um, even before I knew who God was and a lot of the dreams that I had and, and just kind of didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time. And a lot of these dreams were dreams that have been um, repetitious over my life that I've had over and over again. And, you know, some of them still don't don't make a lot of sense to me. But I wanted to have this conversation tonight, just tell you about some of the dreams that I have had. And I really want to see what you guys have to say and and hear about some of the dreams that, that you have had and some of the different ways that God speaks to you. You know, one thing that I've noticed is in my life is that I've had two different kinds of dreams. And, and I'm sure that many of you will understand what I'm talking about. Some of the dreams that, that we have, you know, we're, we're looking through our own eyes. We can't see ourselves, but we can see how the dreams transpire. But then we have certain dreams the ones that we can see ourselves as well. And we can see ourselves in the actions of what's happening within these dreams. Like we're, we're out of body kind of looking in. And those are often the dreams that we also wake up from. And we have this, this connection. It's, it's something that you can't shake. It's emotions that'll stick with you for the next couple of days. And that is how I know the difference between a dream or what I feel is a vision and vision may be the wrong word. I'm not sure, but, um, that's how I feel. The ones that I'm emotionally connected to are the ones that I feel like God is speaking to me. So I'm going to share some dreams that I've had. And guys, I would love to hear what you have to say as well, because to me, dreams are one of the most fascinating things. It's a way psychologically that we deal with what's going on in our lives, but it's also a way to where, you know, we're not being led by our conscious mind, but our subconscious. And, and it's the way that God often uses us to speak to us in order to either send us in a direction that we need to go set us off on a mission. Um, you know, I'm by no means a prophet. 
I am not a prophet. But in the Bible, it also says that your average man and woman will prophesy a way of God speaking to you. And it may not be for anybody else in this world, but speaking to you to let you know, like, hey, you're doing the right thing or, hey, you're doing the wrong thing and you need to be focusing on this. So as a child, um, literally as, as young as 11, 12 years old, I started having some, some dreams and my dreams, they're not always pretty. You know, I, I love the ones that are the ones where, you know, it's just a beautiful vision that God speaks to you and you wake up, you're just like, ah, life's so great. But often some of the dreams that I've had haven't, like I said, they've been anything but pretty. They've been quite frightening. And I wake up out of these dreams as I grow up and I, I start to understand, especially after you, I found my relationship with God, things start to make more sense. And those dreams may not have been something that I needed to learn then, but things that I needed to learn now. And I also believe that when you have dreams, because how often do you dream the same dreams? Not very often. And the one beautiful, weird thing about dreams is like, you'll, you'll go into your slumber and you'll have these dreams and they seem like they take two or three hours but your brain processes things so fast that these dreams often never take longer than a minute, even though it feels like an eternity, like you've just gone through a whole battle and a whole journey and a whole mission and a whole lifetime in one dream that literally takes a minute. And that's the thing is that our brain, when we're in slumber or when we're in our subconscious has the ability to process things quicker than they do when we're looking at things surfacely with our conscious mind, because often you know, what we discussed earlier um, in, in my, my show prior is that there's a difference between logic and faith. That's the great thing about, you know, that relationship with God is that you find it through faith, not through something that you can see, but something that you believe. And that belief and that all comes from the relationship that you have with God. So the first dream that I really remember growing up, and I've had this dream probably six different times and, and slight variations, but very, very similar. And I, I would really love to hear what you guys have to say about this. So one of the dreams that I had, and like I said, this was repetition. This I've had multiple times. I was at a place that in my brain, I, I don't know if it was a mall or an airport. It kind of seemed like it was a combination of the two. And I was in the restroom and I was at the urinal and I looked over and the guy that was standing next to me just started shaking like he was having a seizure. And it was very strong. And then he started bleeding from his nose, from his ears and from his eyes. And, you know, that's where the, the anxiety in the dream really began. And I looked behind him and I saw a guy or he looked like a human. He had two arms, two legs, but they he was dressed in all black and had this uh, brimmed hat, not like a cowboy hat, but, but similar and had no face. You know, it looked, you know, you could look at it as there was a shadow cast over his face and you couldn't see it but it was darkness in this face. So the calamity began and I walked outside of the restroom. And when I walked out, there was complete chaos everywhere, all over the place. And what I witnessed in the bathroom where the guy started going into what looked like a seizure on his feet and started bleeding from different orifices on his body was happening everywhere. The chaos was all over the place. People were running everywhere. People were scared. There were explosions. People were trying to get away from it. And then I saw more of this being that I saw in the bathroom. Um, and yes, I, Moon Wolf, I, I did. I, I felt like they were demons. But like I said, there was no face, just complete blackness. And turmoil was everywhere. So I went outside. I exited the mall slash airport and cars were crashing each other. There were explosions everywhere. People were running everywhere just in complete chaos and, and just frantic as could possibly be. So I ran over to a group that I saw and I was trying to gather as many people together as I possibly could. And then I noticed that the demons were starting to come our direction. And I looked at them. I looked at the people that I was with, the, the average humans that were trying to escape this calamity. And I looked at one of these guys in particular and I said, I need you to walk these people into a forest of dogwood. And at that time, I didn't realize the significance and, and what the dogwood forest meant. But later I realized um, as I did some research that the cross that Christ was crucified on was made from dogwood. So all of a sudden, the forest of dogwoods had this, this significant meaning that I didn't see at that time. 
And I looked at him. I said, you need to lead these people to the dogwood forest. And I'm going to go the other direction. And I'm going to try to lure these demons or these, these creatures or whatever they were away from you. And the guy and that was standing now joined by a woman said, well, you know, and I told him to wait for me and I would be back because I knew where they needed to go. And I don't know how I knew where they needed to go, but I just, I had this confidence and this strength about me. And although I was scared, um, I also knew that God had my back and he goes, well, how do we know, you know, how long do we wait? What if you don't make it? And I looked at him and her, and I said, I will make it, but you guys need to get them to that forest for safety now. And I ran off in the other direction and all of the demons started chasing me and I ran and ran and ran. And I was so tired. I was sweating. I was out of breath and I came to a place that I couldn't go any further. And it was this swamp. And I looked over and I could see these things in a distance and I jumped inside the water and I grabbed a reed and I put that reed in my mouth and I submerged myself into the water and I could look up and see what was going on on the surface of that water while I was breathing through this reed. And these three demons at this point um, looked a little bit different. They still had the two arms. They still had the two legs. They were still dressed in black. But instead of the brimmed hat and the no faces, they all had heads that were triangles. And they were black triangles. And I didn't, you know, like I said, I was just as scared as could be like, praying underwater, dear Lord, please get my back. Please put a protection around me. Please don't let these, these demons see me. Don't let them notice me. And they didn't. I could see them from under the water, but they couldn't see me under the water. And I kind of related that, you know, later on that possibly the water was, was a sense of baptism. It was the water and the water, um, you know, that sense of baptism was what was keeping me safe. So eventually they gave up looking for me and they all walked away. So I, I laid under that water for about another 30 minutes because I was too afraid to pop up and the fact that they may have just gone out of sight and they were still there waiting for me. 30 minutes later, I popped up and uh, I exited the water and they were gone and the sun was going down at this point and I ended up uh, working my way over to that dogwood forest where the people were still there waiting and uh, I got these people and I was like, okay, um, I'm not quite sure exactly where we need to go, but I know that God's going to end up leading us. So I ended up um, getting these people and heading off into this mountain area. And I brought them all to this area that was that was safe. And it felt like a very safe area. Matter of fact, there was a couple of rocks and stones that were built up that looked very similar to crosses. So I kind of felt like it was a hallowed ground or somewhere that, that was protected by God. And I told all these people, you know, go ahead and, and get ready to settle down because this is just the beginning of, you know, of a horrible situation. I wasn't sure if it was the beginning of Revelation, Apocalypse, you know, or any of that stuff. I just knew that they were safe in this area and that my mission wasn't done yet. So I walked away from these people. I exited that little mountain area and immediately once I got, you know, a couple of miles away, I forgot. My, my mind was almost like wiped blank and I couldn't remember where I had brought these people. And I ended up going into this journey and finding other groups of people that had kind of huddled together that were trying to, you know, stay off the storm in, in a sense that were staying away and hiding from these demons. And I ended up saying, listen, follow me guys. I, I, I am, I, I can't remember where this place is, these sacred grounds, um, but I, I know that God's going to, um, allow me to find this again. And I ended up, uh, getting this other group to follow back to those hallowed grounds. And I ended up back where I was supposed to, but I had to relearn the journey. Um, and I, and I just didn't understand like every time and this happened like three or four times, like, why, um, do I always forget where this place is? And I feel like it was almost like God was wiping my mind in case something happened and I got captured. Um, it was almost like plausible deniability. I didn't remember where this place was. So I know, so even through torture, I wouldn't be able to tell anybody, you know, this is where the people are, but I always ended up finding groups of people and bringing them back to this place. And God always kind of reintroduced me to my journey every single time to where I ended up bringing them back to that same place. And, you know, I don't, I don't think God has a mission for me to be any greater or anything than anybody else. I think he was just letting me know, you know, if we have faith, then, you know, we will be to that safe place. God will take care of us. He will, he will 
bring us all, no matter how dire things seem, no matter how bad things are, even if we question why we're in this situation, God has our back and we need to put faith in that. It's no different than, you know, the upcoming Mark of the Beast that's talked about in Revelation. It's a, a, it's going to be a horrible and a hard decision, you know, because just like with this vaccination and the mask and everything like that, um, we were given the choice to take this vaccination. And many of us felt like we didn't have a choice because we had to take care of our family. We had to get them fed. We had to, you know, have enough money still coming in in order to house them. But the thing is, is God's going to take care of us by having that faith in him. And just like denying that mark of the beast when it comes down to it, knowing that God's going to lead us to where we need to go to gather together again, to unify as a, a village under God, that we can start a new society and that we can come together and be there for each other to get us through these times with the glory and the grace of God. He's going to always take care of us and he's going to give us exactly what we need. We don't need the luxurious cars. We don't need the luxurious homes or any of this stuff. We just need to eat, have shelter, have water, have air, and those things that God will always, always provide for us. But the weird thing about it is when I had the dreams back then, like I said, as an 11 year old is when I first had these dreams, you know, I didn't understand some of the symbolism and the significance. Like I didn't realize that they were demons. I just knew that they were evil and I knew that they were causing destruction all over the place, killing people on their feet. Um, and I didn't understand why these three that ended up um, chasing me to that, that um, swampy lock, um, I didn't understand what the significance of the triangle was back then. But as I grew up and I started researching and looking into the, all the conspiracies and New World Order and all this other stuff, I started noticing the symbolism of the pyramid. And that's what that triangle was, what, what they represented the pyramids and, and the darkness and the demons that were behind them. And at this time, you know, even when I started looking at conspiracies, I just assumed this was a bunch of bad people. And that's all it was, was just bad people that were corrupt, that wanted control, wanted money, and they wanted power. I didn't realize that this was evil. This was Satan's work and Satan's demons and that the demons actually did walk this earth and they tempted people and they would get men and women that would act upon, you know, the, the devil's um, tyranny and deception as compared to the love and the grace of God. So I'd had this dream like multiple times over my lifetime. And it started to make sense to me at some point. Now, I still don't understand, you know, what these creatures were um, or if anyone else has had dreams that were similar to this, that, that saw these like shadowy looking demon things. But it's a beautiful thing when you really think about it is that even before you have a relationship with God, God has a relationship with you. Before you are ready to walk that narrow path, God has already given you what you need to the day that you're ready to walk that path. And he's preparing you for that time, which everything begins to make sense. So um, years down the road, I've had that dream multiple times. And I ended up having a buddy of mine who was going through some pretty dark times. And, and he kept saying to me, and, and this is before, you know, I really believed in, in evil and demons and the devil and all this other stuff. You know, I always thought that stuff was a metaphor. I thought that was stuff that, that children were taught in order to make them behave. I didn't realize how real it was. And, you know, so even when they said that they, they felt like they were being attacked by a demon, I took it as, hey, you got, you're just having some problems in your life and, and you're referring to it as a demon. So one evening, um, I went to sleep and I had a dream and I was at, in a restaurant and my friend was sitting at this table and I looked over him and I could see this, this dark entity. And this entity looked like what I always thought a demon would look like. You know, it had wings. It was completely black. Um, it, it looked like I had no question that this was a demon. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I've got to help my friend out. So I went over there and I provoked this demon and I started to fight this demon. And I, we were going fist to fist and, and this demon was tearing me apart. I mean, just cutting into me, beating me up. It was horrible. I was not winning this battle. I pulled out a sword and I went after him with this sword and my sword did absolutely nothing. I kept on getting beaten up. I kept on getting torn up and scratched and burned. And I could feel it. Even in the dream, I could feel the pain. I mean, I could feel it. And all of a sudden, I heard God speak to me. And he said, put your sword down as a weapon. 
And I dropped it immediately because I knew it was God speaking to me. And then God said, now pick that sword up again as an extension of your body, as the name of Christ. And I reached down and I picked up that sword. And the moment that I picked it up, my sword started glowing, very similar to what I pictured the sword of St. Michael. And I ended up, I didn't even, I didn't even swing the sword at this demon. All I did was lift it up and point it at him. And the moment that I did that and said, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ, this demon started to smoke and then just burst into ashes. Boom. And then my friend stood up and was just reinvigorated. You could feel, I mean, you just knew that they were finally separated from this demon that had been attacking them. So this isn't even the weird part, guys. I woke up and I looked down, you know, just kind of rubbed my eyes coming out of my sleep. And I noticed there was blood all over my bed. And I'm like, what the heck is that? So I lifted up my shirt and I pulled up, you know, my, my shorts, um, you know, the, my boxers where I felt the pain. And I had claw marks running up my leg, running up my thighs, going from shoulder all the way down to hip, like five claw marks. And then I had the same claw marks running down my back from shoulder all the way to the base of my back. And I'm like, what is this? So my door was closed and I had dogs because my first thought was like, maybe my dog was accidentally scratching me as I slept, but my door was closed. My dog was outside the door. It was just me alone in my room with bloody sheets and scratches all over me. And I ended up um, sending this to um, the pictures of this to my mother. My mother was working at a Catholic foundation and she ended up sending me or showing these pictures to um, one of the uh, popes or, or one of the, uh, the heads that, that ran that church. And, you know, he said basically that this is possible. This is one of those things where, you know, what you were dreaming in the vision or what you thought was a dream, you somehow carried out into real life. And the battle that I had in my dream was something that that happened on a more spiritual realm that just carried over into this physical realm. And, you know, I will never forget that. I still have the pictures today. Um, it, it was just, it was amazing to me. And once again, is even before I had that relationship with Christ, I still believed in Christ. I still believed in God and God was still working in my life. And so I ended up uh, literally about an hour after I woke up, my friend called me and my friend had the same dream that I had, except they weren't the ones fighting the demon. They were sitting in that same chair at the same restaurant that this took place in, but watching me battle this demon. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like as if the scratches on my body weren't a significant sign enough of what I had just dealt with. I have now been verified that someone in a completely different place had the same dream that I had, but from the, a different perspective of them sitting down and observing the battle rather than being part of it. And I was like, well, how do you feel? And, and they said, I feel like this demon has been released. Like I, I don't, I don't feel that darkness, that loss, that anxiety anymore. It's gone. And it just amazed me. And these little things are ultimately what ended up, you know, really getting the faith that I have today as strong as it is because, you know, it's one thing having a relationship with God, knowing that God's going to work in your life, but it's a whole different thing when you haven't had that relationship yet and he's still working in your life. It just, it's mind blowing. So, um, I've had multiple other dreams and, and the one that I've had reoccurring lately, I, I keep going into people's, um, different people's homes and helping them move out. And they're expired. I'm like, well, why haven't you moved out yet? And they're like, well, every time we try to move, something keeps stopping us. There's something evil in this house that won't let us leave. And, you know, so I'm like, well, listen, I'm going to, I'll help you guys get out of here. I mean, if you're that afraid, if you feel like this house is possessed or it's evil or something like that, I'll help you, you know, move out of this place. So as we started moving, um, I suddenly felt this evil, exactly what they were talking about. Absolutely no question. Light started flickering. Things started getting dark, very weird, ominous, evil feeling in the room. And I came face to face with another demon. And I knew it was, this is the weird thing, is the dream that I just told you about where God said, you know, put your sword down as a weapon and pick it back up as an extension of yourself and use it in the name of Jesus Christ. I knew 
at that point the power of the name Jesus Christ. Just by saying the words Jesus Christ is like a bane. It's a poison to demons. It's a poison to your enemy. And it was weird that in a dream, I literally resorted to another dream that I had already had. And I, I was trying to say the word Jesus and it could not come out of my mouth. I, this demon or whatever was trying to work in me and it was, it was keeping me from saying the word Jesus Christ. It, it would come out like, it was like, I, no matter how hard I tried to force that name out of my mouth, that demon was not allowing me to. But I finally prayed because I couldn't verbally pray because it wasn't allowing me to do anything. So I prayed in my head. It was a way that this devil or this demon couldn't, couldn't stop me because that's complete free will at that point. So I prayed in my head, Jesus, please let me say your name. Please give me the strength to say your name. And I said that I finally got it out of my breath. I said, Jesus Christ. I didn't say anything other than the name Jesus Christ. I didn't say in the name of Jesus, I bind you demon, nothing. I just said Jesus Christ. And the moment that I said that, that demon disappeared instantaneously. The evil left, the lights came back on, and we ended up getting moved out of this house. And this is another dream that I've had about three or four times, but different houses and different situations. And, you know, it just shows you the power, like I said, just in the name, Jesus Christ. It's not, you know, praying is so powerful, knowing God, the conversations you have with God, the, you know, just being around other people that have that relationship with God is powerful. But the name, Jesus Christ, is the ultimate weapon. Like I said, I, and our brains as, as humans, as, as fleshy creatures that are sheathed, that, that sheathed these souls that walk this earth, we think that the gun is the greatest weapon, you know, to defend ourselves. We think that the sword's a weapon to defend ourselves. But there's no better weapon than prayer and just simply uttering the name Jesus Christ. And, you know, and, and I realized that that name Jesus is so powerful and it's so damning to the enemy, to the demons, to anything that's evil on this earth, that... I started paying attention to politicians, you know, when we got to the point where we just don't know who we can trust or who we can't trust. And, and many of them, just like Pelosi, she'll, she'll get up there and they'll say, God, they'll say God over and over again. They'll be like, Oh, you Christians out there that think you're so good, you know, doing, you know, talking about us, the, the patriotic people and how they think that they're better than you talking about, you know, their faith in God. And then I realized that, that God, the term God, isn't something that God said, hey, I want you guys to call me God. That was a, a name that the human referred to for the, the, the power of the creator that they worship. And no matter what religion you are, whether, you know, you are a Satanist or you're a Christian, their master is called God. It's a very generic term. But the word Jesus, Jesus Christ, is very, very significant, and it's direct. So when I listen to the politicians now, and they go on, and they start talking about God, I don't listen to them. I don't pay attention to them whatsoever. What do I seek? I seek the word Jesus because, you know, I, I almost feel like the, the term Jesus burns the tongue of evil people that are trying to say it, just like it, it takes away their power when you say the word Jesus to him. So if I ever come in contact with the devil, if I ever come in contact with the demon, you better believe the first weapon I'm going for is I'm going to go on repeat and just say Yeshua. I'm going to say Jesus Christ, Yahweh. I'm going to go over those specific names, the ones that actually have loads of meaning and they're very specific to a particular God, the only God that's in this world. And, and you really feel the power of that. So that's why when I, when I am looking, you know, with Trump, just waiting for him to, to say the word Jesus and, you know, in order for me to actually gain that trust. And I was watching some videos as I was kind of going through and I typed in, you know, I went into YouTube and I typed in the power of the name Jesus. And one of the videos that came up was uh, an interview that was uh, one of those primetime, you know, night nighttime comedy slash, you know, news shows like um, Colbert. I can't remember which one it was, though. And Lady Gaga was on it. And the host said the word Jesus. 
and I looked over and I saw um, Lady Gaga. She twitched, like her eyes shut, and and she just kind of had this weird little shiver. And then um, a couple of minutes later, the the host used the word Jesus Christ in a derogatory term, like and you know blaspheming his name, like saying all oh, Jesus Christ, and even in a negative way. Um, when he said the word Jesus Christ again, she had the same reaction. It was a trigger. And evil is triggered by that. They don't like anything that is loving and positive. They don't like that connection that we all have with our Holy Savior. They hate that because there's a lot of power in it. And the worst part to them is they know that when Jesus comes back, their time is up. They know that they may have a lot of power and tempting humans and trying to deceive them and walk them down the wrong path. But they also know that when Christ is involved and Christ is in your life, they're very limited on power. We take away their drive, we take away their energy and we destroy them. And ultimately when Christ comes back, Christ, St. Michael, they're going to be the ones that destroy the devil. We have power over defeating enemies like demons because demons they're inorganic creatures. And that's one blessing that we have as even being humans on this earth is we were giving not just a soul, but we were giving flesh. That makes us not only inorganic through the spirit, but it makes us organic being here on this earth. And demons can't walk this earth. Demons rely on something that is organic because they're not. They're stuck in their own little realm. We as as you know, people that, that have a relationship with God and understand God have an ability to, to exist on a spiritual and a non-spiritual plane, which would be earth. We have the ability to exist in both areas. And, and I think that's where dreams come in is we're almost, you know, reaching out to God and God reaching out back to us in that spiritual plane, which is easier for us to see in a subconscious area as compared to a conscious because our conscious is based on logic. And faith and all that stuff comes within our subconscious. And I feel that, that, you know, like I said, we have the ability to exist on both of these levels where demons, they rely on something like us, organic, in order to be able to walk this earth. And that's where possession comes in, which is a really scary thing. And by having that relationship with God, oh boy, we're the last things that they want to possess because they get inside of us and they they, they know that they're basically going to be destroyed because our soul is directly connected to Christ and God directly. And those demons, they rely on a, a couple of methods in order to possess, because like I said, in order for them to walk this earth, they have to find a vessel, a, a host in a, in a sense. And that host is, is mankind and womankind, humanity. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go for people that have no relationship with God, that have no relationship with Christ, often drug addicts, often people that are lost in mental illness and, and stuff like that because they haven't gone down that right path, because they follow that temptation. They have that evil in their lives and they end up using them to be able to walk this earth. Then you have the people that are actual Satanists that allow their bodies to be vessels for demons. They, they say, you know, they basically do these weird incantations that allow the demon to come into their body and roam this earth. And that's how the demons are. And that's why it becomes really hard for us to recognize demons and evil when we come face to face. Because remember, and I've said this before, Satan you know, we, we get this vision from when we're kids that, you know, Satan is red. He's got horns. He's got hooves and he's got this tail, which would definitely be pretty easy to see Satan in a crowd. But we also have to remember and never forget that before Satan walked this earth, he was an angel in heaven. He was an angel of light. So the chances of the devil standing right in front of you, you may not know. That devil, a demon, may be the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen in your life, which makes it very difficult to tell that it's pure evil and that the Satan is, in fact, it's like Bible said, in disguise. He disguises himself as something beautiful, something of light, which is the easiest way to deceive people. Even those that know God, you know, the deception is strong. But the beauty of having that relationship with God is that God gives us discernment. He gives us, you know, 
something similar to what I, I say about a mother and a child, you know, when a child gets hurt or a child's in danger, um, that mother has a sense. She knows she could be a hundred thousand miles away from that child, but she has that feeling in her gut. And God has that. God gives us that ability too. He gives us that feeling in our gut, which we call instinct, you know, and that's one thing I always say, and I always jokingly say this, but there's a lot of seriousness in it too. I don't trust anybody's opinion more than a puppy and a baby. And it's because puppies are instinctual and babies are instinctual. So when a baby starts crying, when something comes around, you better believe that there's something you should be paying attention to about that person just walked in the room because we get bound by logic. We assume that we know them just like my friend that I told you about last night, a friend that I had for a long time that ended up molesting a 14 year old. I would have never have seen that because logic told me what I had seen in person, that this was a great person. I should have listened to my instincts because instincts are more reliable when you're dealing with spiritual situations, which is why I always, I always trust a baby and a puppy because they are instinctual. Babies don't develop or, or children don't develop logic until they're five years old. And sadly, we start teaching them um, logic and it's not even real logic. It's, lo it's what we were taught to be logical. And if we've realized, you know, throughout our lifetime, um, what takes place on this earth is a big, great deception. History has been manipulated. They manipulate everything in every way they can. They even infiltrate our churches, which are supposed to be the places that we go to where it's only God. But they've infiltrated that because they know the easy, if, if, if we're trying to distract everybody and trying to deceive everybody, there's no better place than to go into a place of worship in order to deceive those people, which is why it's important for us to have those instincts. When you're listening to um, a pastor give his sermon for the day and things don't feel right in, in, in your in your gut, in your solar plexus, get up, walk out and find another place to go. Find people that you do trust and, and, and do that. But we need to start, you know, listening to our instincts again. But sadly, because life uh, on this earth is mostly you know, based on logic, we tend to push our instincts aside. And the only instincts that we generally hold on to as adults are emotions. Emotions are one of the few instincts that we don't lose as we get older. You know, so one thing about, you know, teaching your children, I'm um, not just keeping them from being indoctrinated is always instilling the importance of never losing those instincts, always listening to your gut, because this is how God speaks to us. This is how God gives us um, that discernment that we ask for. And we don't have that unless we have that relationship with God. But the moment you have that, you've got, like I said, the greatest weapon that you could ever have in your, in your armory. And that would be prayer and that connection with God. And like I said, simply saying the name Jesus Christ, which is just amazing to me that even a name like that is so powerful. It's, it makes demons shake in their boots. It sends the devil into hiding. That's how powerful Christ is. That's how powerful God is. And that's why it's so important, you know, that we, when we do our prayers, that we constantly remember to keep that armor of God, to, to constantly keep that armor of God. And I'm actually doing a little bit more research on um, the armor of God in particular, because I was like, you know, is this a metaphor? Is this, you know, God's spiritual protection? As, as I'm looking in and I'm actually talking to Jeff, who was on last night, um, there is things in the Bible that refer to the armor of God in particular with certain jewels that are placed in certain places, almost like runes or something like that, um, that, you know, it, it's like plates that God protects us on top of that spiritual connection and that that spiritual protection that God gives us, that hedge of protection that we pray for that, that God, you know, gives us. And as we all know, the closer you get to God, the more you do work for God, the more you serve God, the, the bigger warrior you become for God, the more the devil comes after you. And the devil comes after you hard because he doesn't want to be defeated. And the less Christians that are on this earth, the easier it is for God to do his will. The easier, excuse me, the easier it is for the devil to do his will. The easier it is for the devil to walk around this earth and distract people and to deceive people. And that's why it's so important that we build this army of Christians and we get stronger in our faith, even during the hard times. And I said something earlier on the show, um, on my show earlier, is that, you know, th there's a, one of the big differences between having a relationship with God and not having a relationship with God is the way that we perceive things. 
um, when we go into trials and tribulations, someone that doesn't have that relationship with God, what do they see? They see suffering. But what happens when you have that relationship with God? Instead of suffering, we see that God is giving us a chance to learn how to endure. It's not suffering anymore. It's enduring. It's, it's gathering that strength because God, he gives you, he puts you on these missions. And like I said, sometimes we're scratching our head going, why God, why did you put me in this situation? And God goes, because when I put you in that situation, I knew you were strong enough to get out of it. I wasn't making you suffer. I was allowing you to learn how to endure and how to overcome. And that's the beauty thing. <clears throat> we ask God for strength. <clears throat> we ask God for comfort. We ask God for a lot of things. And we expected, you know, it, it's not a wish. When you pray to God, you know, God's going to give you what you pray for. But it's not like a wish. It's not like wishing on a genie and the genie just says, okay, you want strength? Boom. You are now the strongest man in the world. It doesn't come like that. No, God gives us opportunity to learn how to be strong. God gives us opportunity to learn how to develop courage by putting you in the situations where you're forced to face these evils head on and then overcome it. But what happens eventually when you do overcome it and you become stronger and you gain that courage is it makes it easier for you to walk into any situation because you never forget the lesson that God puts you in. And like I said, it wasn't because God was trying to teach you a lesson. No, it was because God loves you and he wants you to not just have what you prayed for, but to earn what you prayed for, to learn, to understand what it takes to become a stronger person, what it takes to have that courage, what it takes to have that relationship with God. But eventually we end up being that strong person. And like I said, God never, ever puts you in any situation that he knows you're not capable of handling. And that's another honor. It's just to remember that is that like God doesn't walk you into anything that he knows you can't walk right back out of. And those are the things that end up getting us a stronger relationship with God, getting us a stronger relationship with others. Because here's another beauty is that when you go through trials and tribulations, when God needs you to learn a lesson, you know, he may try to teach you that lesson simply at first. And sometimes we're too stubborn to see it. Sometimes we don't want to see it. So what's the next step? He puts you into a situation where you watch somebody break their leg um, and, and, and you just hope that you're paying attention enough to learn that lesson from someone else's hardship. But what happens if you don't learn your lesson then? Eventually, God's going to put you into a situation to where you break your own leg. And it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he's given you multiple chances and he started off easy and eventually it did get more difficult. But one way or the other, God's going to wake you up. God's going to give you what you asked for and you're going to end up being a better person for it in the long run. And then eventually we get to the point where we don't have to break our legs anymore because we know how to look for these ways that God tries to teach us lessons. We learn how, how God is speaking to us. And there's another beauty that comes out of this is once you've learned a lesson, once you've become stronger through hardships, you now have the ability to teach somebody else what you've learned. And then they don't have to go through those hardships. They don't have to break their leg on their own. They can learn from something that you've already been through. And that's why it's important for us, as I've said, you know, in, in prior episodes, to never be ashamed, to never be embarrassed of things that you've gone through in your past, because you wouldn't have gone through those things in your past if God didn't have a reason for it. If God didn't either need you to become stronger through adversity or to go to that adversity so that you can one day teach somebody else how to avoid that adversity, never be embarrassed, never be ashamed, not of anything that happens in your life. And there's a reason that God asks us not to judge. God doesn't want us to judge because we don't know someone's circumstance. Just like when you come in contact with somebody during the daytime and they may be in the worst, most foul mood ever. We can't forget that we don't know what they just walked away from. They may have just walked away from a terrible experience. And the only reason they're foul is because they didn't know how to disconnect from what they just experienced. So what is our job as Christians? It's not to get upset with somebody for treating you bad. It's to change that mood around. Because just like when the devil gets involved and he pushes negative energy and hate and anger through, that stuff becomes contagious. And when you bring anger into a situation, you know, someone who doesn't have a connection with God, you'll, they'll become angry. And then four or five people they run into during that day may end up in foul moods too, because 
anger and all this, this emotion is contagious, but guess what else is contagious? Love, smiles, hugs, all of these things are contagious. So instead of getting angry or upset with somebody who is trying to put you into a bad mood, give love to them, give them a hug, tell them they look beautiful, give them some kind words and you can change their mood into a positive mood just because just like anger is contagious, just like negativity is contagious. What God gives you is even more contagious. And once you change that person's perspective, once you change their day and you've made them smile, you you've not only given some love and the spirit of God over to them, but you've, they, you've allowed them to release serotonin and that serotonin creates happiness, which is inspired by God. It changes their mood. And now Instead of you getting angry and making other people's moods bad when you come in contact with them the rest of the day, you've just changed their mood to be loving and positive. So they are going to go off and they're going to change those moods of other people the same way, spreading that love and that positivity instead of the anger. We can't get caught up into it. And this is the thing, you know, be a little cocky about it. Be cocky knowing that you have that relationship with God and that love that you put off and you inspire others to do can destroy the greatest of all evils just by having that love and that relationship with God. And then eventually, like I said, the, when they go off in their own direction, they're spreading that same love that you just brought to them. And you're not falling for the devil's deception because that's how the devil tries to do it. He tries to, he doesn't jump into your life. He inches his way into your life. He sneaks into the cracks the moment that he finds an opening, they, he, the devil works his way in there and tries to expand that crack and make it even bigger so that loads of evil can come in. Just like in the, in the Bible where, um, you know, the man walked into the church and said, I am legion. This man was filled with demons, not one demon, but a legion of demons all inside this one guy. And by looking at him face to face, you couldn't tell that he was any more than a man until he announced the fact as I am legion man who was filled with these demons. We can't give any opportunity for the devil to sneak into our lives. And eventually we become so sure of, of God's love that we spread that love constantly. We do these great services for the Lord Almighty. And the devil tries to intervene in our lives. He tries to stop us in our tracks. But eventually the devil realizes no matter what I do to this person, they're not losing their connection with God. They're still walking that narrow path. They're still heading straight forward into this war. And then the devil moves away from you and he intervenes in people's lives that you love. And most likely, instead of going to the, the people that you love that had that relationship with God, they go to the people that are in your life that don't have that relationship with God. And then they try to work their way into your life through that. And we just can't let this happen, guys. We've always got to be on guard. We've always got to, to make sure that we're wearing that armor of God everywhere that we go. Because once again, the closer you get to God, the closer you become to Jesus, that more the evil is working its way into your life. But fortunately, by having that relationship with God Almighty, and it's such a blessing, so many blessings God gives us, guys. You know, I don't know about you, but not to get off topic, but there's days where I sit down and I think of all the beautiful things that God's given us. And it almost, and often it'll bring me to tears. You know, it kind of chokes me up a little bit, sitting back knowing that, you know, unlike a human father, God loves you period. No matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how many grades you fail, no matter how many times you, you mess up, God is right there giving you blessings, still answering your prayers, giving your, giving you the love that we all want to, to have from a father, which is what makes God the ultimate father, the father of fathers. And it, like I said, it just chokes me up sometime realizing the blessings that we do have, realizing all of the times that God's answered my prayers, even in the most desperate situations, God has worked his way into my life and worked, you know, worked me back to that path if I ever stray or those times daily that I stumble and fall to my knees onto the ground and I pray to God, God's right there sticking his hands underneath my arms and lifting me back up to my feet. And he does that for every single one of us. Every single one of us here, God intervenes in our life and he gives us that love. He picks us up when we fall, which is why it's more important that we stay on that path and we try to do the best things that we can. And whenever we fail, whenever we stumble, just remember that God 
will not walk away from us. He doesn't forsake us. He, he is always right there with us. He's there at the beginning of our journey. He's there during our journey. And he's there at the end of our journey. He never walks away from us. The only reason that God's not in our life is because we walk away from him. And we can't do that. We all know that. This is why um, it's important, you know, for us to come together in any way that we possibly can, utilizing these platforms like like Fishers of Men, Bards FM, Kilted Christian, all the other people that are doing great things, doing these works through, you know, through humility, letting go of the ego, and realizing that nothing great that we're going to do has anything to do with ourselves. Everything great that we accomplish on this earth is through God. You know, we can give our wives, we can give our lovers the most beautiful diamond in the world, but that's still not the best gift we can give them. The best gift we can give them is our personal relationship with God and hopefully leading them to that same path. And the show that I did earlier was based upon this. It was based upon people that are in a married relationship or a relationship where one of them has a, a connection and a relationship with God and the other one doesn't. And uh, how you know, you can't push somebody or force somebody into a relationship with God. It's our job to lead them to God. It's our, to walk ahead of them, to, you know, express our happiness and the love and show how God affects us. And hopefully they get inspired by that and end up walking that path because we can't save souls. We don't have that ability, but we do have the ability to lead them to God who can save their souls and we must never give up and we must never lose our patience either. And I said this a couple nights ago as well, is it just like with me, I, I was one of those people that if you had known me when I was younger, you would have been like, man, you've got a long journey before you find God, if you're even willing to do so. But God came to in my life, sent an angel into my life, changed my life and has brought me to where not only do I have that connection with God and that relationship with God, but every day I find myself getting closer to him because we stay on this journey and it's a long journey and it's not a beautiful journey unless you, you take these lemons that we get and make lemonade. You know, we have to have the ability to do this. And, and like I said, it's the one big difference in seeing those trials and tribulation as suffering or God giving us the ability to endure. And when you realize that God gives us the ability to endure anything through him with the, the power and that, that protection that he puts over us, we realize that nothing can stop us. And that's why we become God's greatest warriors, by maintaining that path, by maintaining that unity, by spreading the love that we have and showing people the connection that we have rather than telling them about it. Because it's one thing... Um, uh, Carson, Scott is still the host. I'm just uh, filling in for Scott until he gets back from his trip. So, I, <laughs> but anyways, um, we just, we, we need to just walk this path guys and never walk away from it and realize that God is, is 100% going to have our back. And no matter how bad things get, we know that it's always going to get better. We know that even during the chaos that we're enduring today, every single day, it looks like evil's winning, but that's just, that's just temporary. And this chaos that's going on right now, as hard as it is, it's going to get better. And God ultimately wins this battle. And he's using every one of us to win this battle. And that's why I love being here with you guys so much is because, you know, you do as much for me. I only hope that I do a portion for you guys as you guys do for me. And that's the great thing about this communication, the prayers that we give for each other, lifting each other up, talking to each other is that, you know, we are the warriors that God has picked. And just like on any regular battleground, you know, we need to stand in front of it and take those bullets for others and give that person a chance to rebuild and, 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 and get that strength again, get them back onto their feet. Because guys, God chose us, like I said, to be here together right now during this time, because he didn't need just warriors. God doesn't want lukewarm. God wants us to be on fire. He wants us to come into this war knowing that we won, not hoping that we win. And, you know, that's why I'm going to start changing my prayers a little bit the way that I pray. And I'm working on this. If somebody reached out to me the other day and said something that I just found to be profound and absolutely beautiful. How many times when we pray, do we simply ask God to answer our prayers? That's one way to pray. 
But the way to prayer is knowing that God is going to give you what you're asking for. He's going to bring those things into your life. So instead of asking God for things, pray and thank God for allowing that to come into your life because ultimately it is. So instead of praying, God, please let me find strength. Say, God, thank you for bringing me strength because we know it's going to happen. God's always watching us. God's always going to have our back. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and end in a little bit of prayer. And before I do that, I just want to thank you so much for, for being so welcoming to me. Um, no one loves listening to Scott as much as I do. Um, and I can't wait till he comes back. And I'm glad that he's taken this little time because he's been on an amazing journey. And guys, it's been really hard for me not to tell you the stories that he's that he's gone through during this time because there's so much excitement. There's so many wonderful things that uh, he's been through on this trip. Um, but I want him to be able to tell you those stories as is. So I've been biting my fingers going, no, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. But you guys are in for some treats when he comes back. And he'll be back running Fishers of Men on Sunday. And then uh, chances are he'll be carrying on from there because uh, he's only got one more event that he's got to do or one more place that he has to be. That's going to be next weekend. So, um, you know, I may pop on occasionally as he's on the road. But at this point, it's just, it's easy sailing and he'll be back on full time, but he will be back on Sunday. Everybody, please bow your heads. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us strength. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us all together. I've, I've spent so much time asking you for things, dear Lord, but I didn't realize at the time that you were always going to answer our prayers. So we may as well just go ahead and thank you for bringing these things into our life. Thank you for strengthening me. Thank you for strengthening all of us. Thank you for giving us a place to gather, dear Lord, where we can have church seven days a week. We're not just weekend warriors. We're weekly warriors. We're monthly warriors. We're yearly warriors. We are all here, dear Lord. We are serving you the best that we can. But dear Lord, we just, we thank you for the discernment that you're bringing to us so that we can develop our tactics to be better and help wake up those people that are still sleeping. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us the ability to wake people up to the deception that's happening in this world and the tricks that the devil are playing. They get harder and harder to see the more lies that there are in this world. But you have given us the ability to see through that veil. And dear Lord, once you lift that veil for others to see, let us be right there for those people that are sleeping to gently grab them by the shoulders, turn them around so they can see what we see. Dear Lord, thank you for just allowing us to wake up every day, allowing us to breathe, pet our dogs, talk to our beautiful women, our beautiful men, just to be able to do the things that we've gotten used to and take for granted. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to strengthen ourselves. Although we see things as, as being terrible at the time, you always have our best interests in mind, dear Lord, and we will never forget that. So thank you. Thank you for the hardships. Thank you for turning those hardships into lessons that we can teach other people so they don't have to go through what we went through. Dear Lord, you have blessed us with the most greatest things on this earth, life being part of it, but eternal life being the greatest part of it. You even sent your son down here to die on that cross so that we were guaranteed a place in heaven, dear Lord, just by having a relationship with your son and with, with you. Dear Lord, thank you for everything. Thank you for blessing my family. Thank you for blessing my friends. And thank you for blessing our enemies. Thank you for putting it into our hearts to be able to pray for our enemies, dear Lord, because you have the ability to turn anyone's heart, to find your love, to find your glory, and realize that once they have that relationship with you in their lives, how much easier life becomes, even during the hardest of times, because we know you win. Dear Lord, even during the times where it doesn't seem like, where it seems like evil is overrunning everything, we know that you have a great plan. We know that you, we were using this chaos in order to wake those stubborn people up, dear Lord. And dear Lord, I thank you for the patience that you have given us, the same patience that you had with me, the same patience you've had with all of us in, in turning us to your light in the time that we needed it the most, dear Lord. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you have given us. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name, I pray. Amen. Everybody, I want to thank you again. Like I said, it's been an absolute privilege and honor. I'm not sure this will be the last show that I'm doing for Scott in a while, but it was a blessing to be able to spend not just Kilted Christian time, but uh, Bended Knee, Bards FM, and Fishers of Men. And Scott needed this break. He, he has been on God's mission for a long time. This has been a very exhausting mission that he's been on. 
but I assure you, I've talked to him today. He's resting up. His voice is coming back. He's feeling a whole lot better. And he wanted me to make sure that I sent you all his love. He has really regretted not being able to uh, be and do these shows as consistently as he was. But he also knows that when he gets back home, he's going to be able to do everything like he did before. Three shows a day, um, seven days or actually six days a week and then the extra show on Sunday. Guys, he loves you more than I can ever express. He cares about you each as individuals. He cares about you because he knows that unlike a lot of the rest of this world that are just completely lost and they're focusing on the wrong things, waiting for a human savior to come along and fix all this mess. He knows that every one of you know that the only savior that's going to fix this mess is God and Jesus Christ. And that is where our faith needs to be. That's why we need to just be as prepared as we possibly can. Get your gardens growing, get your food collected, get extra Bibles. I, I went out and bought um, a handful of Bibles that I'm just going to start passing out to people as I feel the need, you know, as I feel God leading me to. These are the smallest things that we can do that have the biggest impacts in the long run. But guys, I want to thank you so much. I hope you all have an absolutely beautiful weekend. As I said earlier, you know, walk away from the media ignore the news, stay away from social media for the weekend, take a break. We can, you know, this chaos is going to be here when we get back on Monday. So you may as well just walk away from it, put a puzzle together, spend time with those that you love, spend time doing things that you love, watch a movie that makes you feel good. Listen to a good soundtrack that you haven't listened to in a while that brings the emotions back of simpler times when you were kids. These are the little blessings that God has bestowed to on this earth that allows us just to walk away from the chaos. And sometimes we need to do it. Even those people that love to research and, and dig into what's going on in this world as much as I do, sometimes we have to walk away. We have to stick our heads out of the rabbit hole, walk back into that light, and then just re-energize ourselves through the Holy Spirit and through God, guys. Guys, we can take a lot, but sometimes we have to take a break. That being said, guys, I love you all very, very much. It's been an absolute blessing to spend these evenings with you, and I leave you with these words. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights spent pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world's too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space.
space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your silence is caused far away Bards Nation, have an absolutely beautiful weekend. Um, guys, you can catch me tomorrow evening um, at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Brothers in the Bible. Then we'll be back Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern Time for two hours, Brothers in the Bible. I hope to see you there. If not, that means you guys are relaxing somewhere, having a good time. And just remember, guys, I love you all. It's been an absolute privilege to be here with you um, nightly. And God bless. <laughs>